Psalm 20, uh, which is on page 547 of the Church Bibles. To the choir master, a psalm of David. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favour your burnt sacrifices. Selah. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfil all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God set up our banners. May the Lord fulfil all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven. With the saving might of his right hand, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. Amen. Thank you. Martin, very much for your reading. If you have Psalm 20 in front of you, that would be very helpful, either in a Bible or in the app in your lap. Let's pray as we come to this psalm. Father God, we've just been singing, Your Majesty, King of Kings. As we come to your word this morning, Father God, we thank you that you have installed Jesus, the risen and conquering King, who reigns forever, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one to whom... We can but bow. Father, humble our hearts as we come before your word this morning. Help us to trust in you as you speak to us, we pray. Amen. John and Paul could not agree on anything. They had to work together, but being in the same room was unpleasant. And in the midst of all this uh, horrible toxic environment, Paul, Paul has a dream. And he, he'd lost his mother when he was young, but he saw her in this dream, and, and his mother said to him, it, it will be all right, Paul, just let it be. Now, you might have twigged already the John and Paul in that story, are John Lennon and Paul McCartney. At the time, they were in the Beatles, the biggest band in the world, and years of success had led to personality clashes, the weight of expectation... It had taken a lot out of them. And Paul McCartney took that dream and he wrote a song. The song Let It Be. And you may know how it begins. When I I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me speaking words of wisdom, let it be. And if you're a musician, your head is going, duh, 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 at that point. But Let It Be has been played, and I checked this last night, actually 132 million times on YouTube. Double-checked it. I had written 131, it's actually a million more than that. But is this song, popular as it is, is it a song for times of trouble? When I finished speaking, when we finished our tea and coffee and cake, and when we go out of here, and we face our troubles in the week ahead, is that a song for times of trouble? How would we finish Let It Be if we were writing it today? When I find myself in times of trouble, dot, 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 What do I want to say there? Do I want to say just let it be? No worries? It will be okay in the end. What I want us to see this morning from Psalm 20 that Martin's just read to us is that Psalm 20 is a song for troubled times. A song written in and for times of trouble. And we see that from the first line, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. 
And traditionally, this psalm would have been sung before going into battle. Uh, we see it's written to the choir master, so sung together as, as a group. And what we actually see as we start the psalm is it kind of begins as a prayer. And as we dig in, we kind of see this repetition. Let me read it for you from verse 1. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God set up banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now, it's not hard to, to miss this repeated word of may there. May the Lord, may the name. But as we read these, these prayers, these requests to God, there, there's something a bit unclear, isn't there, as we think about it. Is who are these, who, who's these prayers directed to? Who's the one being prayed for? May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. But who is the you? Who is, who is the you that keeps being referred to in all these verses? May he remember all your offerings. May the Lord answer you. Now, is this a kind of plural you? Is it a kind of general spiritual blessing? Is it as if I said from the front, may God bless you all? Is that what it's getting at? Now, now you might be sitting here thinking, well, well, Paul, why are you all in a tiz about this? What's the fuss? Why are you getting so worked up about pronouns? I mean, school isn't back till tomorrow, Paul. Save it to then. But as we've been seeing working through the Psalms the last few weeks, we've thought of the Psalms as songs. And in these songs, we've seen three voices, haven't we? The first of, of David's song, as David wrote these Psalms that we've been looking at, and is the author of today's Psalm, Psalm 20. Then, then Jesus' song, as he would have sung and prayed these Psalms. And then finally, our song for today. And that's why we need to get this right. We need to see how this Psalm applies to first David, and then Jesus, and finally us. And actually, if we look closely at Psalm 20, it's not a, a general you, a word of, of general blessing, but actually it's a prayer for a specific individual, someone who acts on behalf of all the people. And let me show you my, my working out for this. Look at me at, with me at verse 5. May we shout for joy over your salvation, and in the name of our God, set up our banners. See that? We shout for joy over your salvation. In the name of God, set up our banners. We shout for joy over your salvation. The salvation of this individual will lead to great public joy. We, we rally behind, we rally around this individual. They represent the rest of the people. But actually, as we read on, it's not just any old individual. It's, it's God's anointed. It's his chosen leader, verse 6. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven was the saving might of his right hand. And as the psalm closes and wraps up, the, the identity of this individual is kind of revealed and made clear. As it says, verse 9, O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. God, save the king. It could be a title for this psalm, actually. God, save the king. This is the person the psalm has been referring to. That's the you of this psalm. It's the king. So David is writing this psalm about the king of Israel. So in a sense, he's... He's writing about himself. May God help me, David, in times of trouble. Which might seem a bit odd. Is this not just David writing about how great kings are? You know, I'm the king. Woo, go me. Actually, as David's writing this psalm, and as Lane is showing us how God works, if we traced through the Bible from Genesis 
onward, we would see this pattern of how God raises up leaders. And he raises up leaders and they represent God's people. And when they are victorious, so is everyone else. And we actually see this in the life of David. You don't have to turn to it, but if you're familiar with David versus Goliath, 1 Samuel 17, that David goes up against Goliath, he fights the Philistine Goliath and he defeats him. And it's a win, and it's a win for David, but it's also a win for God and a win for Israel, who are gathered behind David. David isn't just representing himself in the battle, he's representing the whole nation, representing God, representing his people. We see this actually in 1 Samuel, don't we? Let me just read, it's on the screen behind you. David said to the Philistine, that is Goliath, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. So let's firstly see Psalm 20 as a a song for King David. As David the king prepares to lead the nation into battle, his people pray for him. They pray together. May the Lord answer you, David, in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favour your burnt sacrifices. Part of the regular offering at the time would have been sacrifices, and the king would specifically offer sacrifices before going into battle. May he grant you your heart's desire, fulfil all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation, and in the name of our God, set up banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. The people, that they, they rally behind King David. May we shout for joy. May we sing praise over or because of your salvation. David's salvation is good news for everyone. It shows that God is, is with David and therefore, by extension, with all of Israel as they go into battle, as they go into times of trouble. And that verse, we can, we can set up banners because of your salvation, David, it's, it's not a common image for today, but a, a, banner is, a banner shows identity. It shows that you identify with, with that person or that group of people or a team. Maybe an illustration from World of Sport helps us. Uh, I have a banner here. Very rarely. You can take the boy out of Suffolk. You can't take the Suffolk out of the boy. Um, this is a banner of my football team, Ipswich Town. If I took this banner to an Ipswich match, haven't yet, but maybe one day, and I lifted it up high and I put it in the stand full of Ipswich fans. What's that, what's that representing? Well, it's representing the team, Ipswich Town. And, and it, as I raise it up, it shows that the crowd are united behind the team. This is our team. The players on the pitch, they represent us. When they win, it's not just their victory, it's not just their celebration, but it's our victory, our celebration. That's that's Psalm 20. In your salvation we rejoice, David. Your victory, David. Your victory becomes ours too. The reason we can raise up our banners. And we see that that confidence in verse 6. I imagine this is kind of the, the part that is returning from battle that they sing. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. God saves his chosen king. He's given us the victory. Some 
may have more impressive and more numerous horses and chariots. Some may have bigger armies. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. We rise as our enemies fall. This is the hymn of Israel as they return victorious. We rise as our enemies fall because you, O Lord, you save your king. That's the shout of joy at the end. God save the king. Thank you, God, that you give us victory in battle through your chosen king, David. But where does all of this leave us today, then? Because maybe you sing God save the king. Maybe you were singing it yesterday before watching the rugby. Won't say any more about that. But actually, I find it tricky to remember that the words have changed now because I've spent a lifetime, and, and, and all of us have spent a lifetime singing different words, but we now say, send him... Victorious, happy and glorious, long to reign over us, God save the king, our national anthem. But what does it matter for us today that the king is victorious? Or even what does the idea of of king and kingship matter? Uh, Thinking back to last summer, we had a a stall at the Hemlock Happening in Bramcote Hills Park. God willing, we will have a, a stall this year in summer 2023. And as part of the Hemlock happening, we had a store, we had craft activities going on and, and different things, but we, we wanted to kind of get people talking and get people thinking, and we asked, we asked this question. We said, are kings and queens important for today? Now, the context, it was the time of the Jubilee celebration, so it kind of fitted in with that, but it was just trying to get people having a bit of a think. Are kings and queens important today? And it's interesting um, that the majority of the people said yes. And they thought kings and queens were important today. And some of them I talked to, I kind of pressed them and was like, well, why do you say that? What makes them important? And most said something kind of about a sense of certainty. Good to kind of have a figurehead, someone to rally around. Interesting answers that are quite similar to what we're seeing in Psalm 20. But even so, how does that apply to us today? It's not the same scenario as in the time of David. King Charles is going to have his his coronation later this year. And it's highly unlikely after his coronation he's going to turn around and lead the country into battle. Our circumstances are different to King David. God's people today are not a theocracy, that is a single nation-state of believers with God ruling through a king. We're, We're not that now. We are the church. We are a worldwide gathering across many countries and languages. But we know through our Bible we have a king greater than our current king, King Charles, and a king that's even greater than King David. Jesus would have grown up singing Psalm 20. And Psalm 20, on the lips of Jesus, is where we see this psalm fulfilled. He is our ultimate and perfect king. The one who leads us into battle and leads us against the powers of evil. Not just offering sacrifices, not just offering burnt offerings at the temple. But Jesus sacrificed himself. He offered his own body, his blood, for our salvation. For our victory over sin and death. He sought to fulfill all the desires of his father God as he prays in Gethsemane. As he's facing the prospect of death and death on a cross and And there are just great sweat drops of blood on his face. At that point, he prays, not my will be done, but yours. And as Jesus dies on the cross for us, it it looks like failure. It looks like the king is dead. You know, when the king is dead, that's that's the end of things. It's 
It's failed, but actually it's this very point of weakness and death that Jesus brings victory. Paul writes in Colossians uh, chapter 2, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Only does Jesus die for our sins so to forgive us for our turning away from God. But, uh, but in his death, he triumphs. He is victorious over the power of sin, of evil and death. And as God raises him to life, Jesus is raised as the risen, conquering king. The one who has gone into battle, who has fought sin and death, defeated them and come back victorious. That's our king. Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. That's our one big point for today. If, if there's just one big takeaway today, it's this. Trust in God. Trust in God who gives us victory through King Jesus. Trust in God who gives us victory through King Jesus. Look at the contrast that we see in verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. And the contrast, we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. Now, I didn't see any chariots in the car park this morning, and I have checked the school premises. I found no stables. So are we simply to just substitute horses and chariots in this psalm for modern-day equivalents? I don't know, something like some trust in money, some in cars, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God? Well, I think there's more to it than that. I think we need to work a bit deeper than that. Because I think the picture there of of the horses and the chariots, it it points us back to the Egyptians in the book of Exodus. Uh, And before Christmas, if you weren't here or uh, tuning in on the live stream, we were looking at the opening chapters of Exodus as a church. Um, We didn't quite get to this bit, so apologies that I'm doing a spoiler. But we'll cover them in the future, in the next few months. Moses and the Israelites, they, they leave Egypt after the plagues where we... We kind of finished and the, and the Passover. And they, they come to the Red Sea. And at this point, they turn around and they see Pharaoh. Pharaoh's changed his mind. He doesn't want them to leave. And he's bearing down on them with his armies, with his chariots and his horses. The supreme ruler of Israel, the most powerful person at the time on the earth. And he's in hot pursuit of the Israelites. They're trapped. The only place to go is the Red Sea. And remember what happens, that Moses lifts up his staff and God parts the waters of the Red Sea for Israel to go through on the dry ground. And as the the Egyptians are pursuing them, the wheels kind of jam on their chariots and they're thrown into confusion. And as Moses and Israelites pass through the Red Sea and as the, the Egyptians follow behind, the water comes back down and covers them. Pharaoh, all of his horses and chariots covered by the Red Sea. Actually, it's written next to this phrase, not one of them remained. It's not just that some trust in horses and chariots, but what they represent, the powerhouse of the time. And don't we find today, we tend to be drawn towards what is powerful, what gives status. We want to put our trust in that because it, it seems impressive. It seems where the flow of things is going, and it seems the security, doesn't it? But sister, brother, this morning... 
This is what makes Christianity, this is what makes Jesus so different to worldly thinking. As Jesus gives us victory over sin and death, he does it by dying for us. As he's nailed to the cross, he looks like the loser. He looks like the loser, but actually he's the winner. It seems so unimpressive, but actually it's how God brings about victory. Jesus has all power and authority, and instead of holding on to that, instead of trusting in his power and his status, he put it aside. He became weak for our sake. He became humble to the point of death so that we, though we, we die in this life, we may live forever. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. This psalm, this, this song of David is a song of Jesus too. And it's through Jesus that this psalm becomes our song today. Trust God who gives us victory through King Jesus. We know that we should trust God, but we don't, we know that. We, we, we just know in our hearts we don't always trust him as we should. We, we see throughout the week how that trust can waver often in the face of power, often in the face of influence, often in the face of the perceived success of those around us. But what Psalm 20 gives us today is that picture of the victorious King Jesus. We rejoice in Jesus' salvation for us. We raise up our banners. And this is why it's so important for our trust in God that we don't Trust God, it's not just a saying, we don't just say trust God and then go off alone to face our battles. We trust in God based on the fact that we are united with Jesus. We rally around him as the army rallies around King David. We have the risen, victorious king and he goes before us. We don't have a Jesus that's on the sideline as a manager kind of shouting instructions and waving his arms. We don't have a Jesus that kind of hangs at the back whilst he kind of sends us out to the front lines. He goes before us. He is the king and in whose victory we take refuge. He has gone before us. He has won for us. He is the king greater and more victorious than King David and any other king. Our comfort, our shield. When faced with trials on every side... We know the outcome is secure, that our difficulties, our troubles, they haven't gone away, but we have our security, we are protected, we have a king who goes before us. I know for some this morning those trials right now are very real and very troubling, very serious. But from Psalm 20 we can be confident in the outcome, that whatever our circumstance in life, we have a risen Jesus who goes before us. We know the outcome is secure because Jesus is risen and he goes as our conquering king. And not one of us here this morning who are in him can ever be taken from him. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall but we rise and stand upright. At the end, there are only two options, aren't there? They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. 
Oh, it's telling us, isn't it, that what looks powerful and impressive now will one day collapse and fall. And if you're, you're here today, maybe you're watching on the live stream, and you've heard me speaking about the victory of King Jesus, and you're, you're not really sure what that means, what that means for you. Do, do you see from here there is no middle ground? Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall. But we rise and stand upright. So when we find ourselves in times of trouble, what is our song? Is it let it be? It will be okay? No, it's this. It's Psalm 20. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. For God has saved the king. That's our song. That's our anthem. Jesus has gone into battle for us. He has saved us from our sins. And God has raised him and given him the victory. We don't trust in God out in front on our own. But safe in the victory Jesus has won for us. Jesus has gone before us. And he continues to go before us. Trust God who gives us victory through King Jesus Why do we take a moment to reflect now on what I've been saying? And in a moment we're going to close in a prayer. And I'm going to take these words from Psalm 20. I'm going to use them as a prayer for for us as God's people here today. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for our King Jesus. We thank you that because we have a victorious King, you answer us in the day of trouble. You protect us. You send help to us from your holy sanctuary from heaven in Zion. Thank you that we have a king that not only offered sacrifices on the earth as part of his life, but sacrificed himself. Thank you that he did not seek his own selfish desires, but said, your will be done. Father, we thank you that as we gather in and behind the risen Jesus, we can shout for joy. We can rejoice in our salvation. We can set up our banners of victory and know that you fulfill our petitions. Thank you, Lord, that you save your anointed, your chosen king. You answered him from heaven. You saved him and lifted him from the grave with the power of your hand. Father, we Realize we are in a world of power, status. Father, where we struggle, please help us to trust in your name. Father, keep us secure in Jesus, knowing that what seems powerful now will collapse and fall. But we will rise and stand upright. God, our Father, thank you that you have saved King Jesus. Amen.